Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode number one of the Vim Throwdown podcast. Okay, so let's preface here. Last time we were recording North Meets, so not North Meets South, last time we were recording the Laravel News podcast, we started the show out talking a little bit about Vim Michael and David Hemphill and TJ Miller had been talking about their Vim configs. And Jesse Leet and Jess Archer were in the chat and they're Vimmers and I was feeling attacked. And so I lashed out a little bit. And so Jesse <laughs> reached out to me and said, hey, I just, you know, we're friends. I thought I should just let you know, like that really hurt my feelings. And so, Jesse, this is my official apology on air. I'm sorry I hurt your sensitive nature towards <laughs> your Vim configs. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't remember this conversation. No, it never happened. No, you just said today before we started this, you were like, hey, are you going to apologize on air? I'm like, yep, I'm going to apologize on air. So that was your apology. It was all made up. I'm not sorry at all, actually. I'm doubling yeah, down on my, on my Vim you, hate. Uh, you don't need to apologize. Yeah, no, I'm seasoned. But it was funny because, so really, David Hemphill was setting up on a new machine and he's like, I just feel so bad, like, uh, you know, putting PHP Storm on this virgin machine. It's just so pure and clean and i just don't want to screw it all up with php storm so michael and tj can you guys help me with my vim config stuff and he's like all screwed up <laughs> so anyway you know basically i i give michael a hard time of course uh but i've seen this dude fly through uh vim like a crazy man and so you know really <laughs> where i'm at is i told michael before we started the show i use vim on a very regular basis actually so i'm in servers a pretty regular amount and using Vim to get around to log files or taking a look through some of the code to see what's currently in there. And, and even sometimes locally, I'll do it as well. Um, but I don't use it at all, really, for my development. Um, and so the, the biggest barrier to me has been, you know, I, I know enough of the movements to kind of make my way through things. But it's never been able to be a fully featured editor because I don't know how to set everything else up. And so I know there's a lot of things you can do to set up. But as I watch David and TJ and Jesse and Jess and all these other folks talk on uh, Twitter or wherever it might be that we're talking and they're talking about all their Vim config stuff, I get lost so fast. And I've tried a couple of times, like I, yeah. I open a VMR, VimRC file or I've copied somebody else's dot files and I look at it and like immediately I'm overwhelmed, have no idea what it is. Mm -hmm. So what I would really appreciate and what I wanted this kind of to be about is if I could just ask some questions about some of those things, and then you guys could dispense some of your infinite wisdom about them and what the best, best path is just for me to kind of get started down this rabbit hole. And then maybe we can have even have uh, future follow-up shows where I've maybe taken some of the things that you guys have talked to me about this show. I spend a little bit of time working on it this week. And then next week, I come back with more questions because there will be more questions. Um, mm -hmm. And then I maybe just don't bother you during the week and just save up all my questions for two Saturdays from now or something. It might be fun. Yeah. Does that sound, does yeah. that sound reasonable? I think that'd be cool. Awesome. Okay, cool. So um, that being said, yeah. So welcome to the show, uh, Jesse. We're glad to have you on. This is your second or third time on the show. I feel like at least second, maybe yeah, third. Yeah, second. Thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's nice to have uh, impromptu guests. You know, it's always cool to be able to just like reach out to somebody and be like, hey, we're recording. Do you want to jump on? Like, yeah, absolutely. Yep, give me two seconds. I'll be right there. So that's fun. Okay, rapid fire questions right after I sneeze. Hold on. Hey, you guys got lucky. I'm usually like a three sneezer. 
You know what I mean? Are you guys, you guys, uh, anybody like that? You, you guys got like a number of sneezes you typically go through before you, before well, you are one, done? Once, one sneeze is okay, but the second one and then the third one's just rude, right? So yeah. it's, <laughs> is that how it goes? Okay. My, both of my kids are like that. They, uh, they both always three times. Yeah. So at least, at least my, my mother is a, uh, she's known for her sneeze. It is a more of a scream than a sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have friends come over, like they'd be over after school, and my, my mom would sneeze, and they'd be like, "Is she okay? Like, is everything okay?" Like, she's like, oh, oh. "You know, it's like, what is wrong with this lady?" Anyway, okay. So, um, before we get too far into it, I want to talk just kind of top level, high level, uh, sort of deals. I'm going to assume that somebody who's listening doesn't know what Vim is, and so I'm going to give my best answer, and you guys can kind of fill in the blanks, okay? So just mm-hmm. like we have text editors, Notepad, Sublime, whatever you might have uh, that you've used, Vim is literally at its core, at its root, it's just a text editor. That's all it is, right? You're on a server and you have, in most instances, like in Linux, um, and I think on Mac, is Vim pre-installed on Macs? Right? VI? Yes. Yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah. Let me- Vim, is, Vim is definitely installed on yeah. Macs, yeah. Let me start with this real quick while I'm thinking about it. VI versus VIM because I see people sometimes reference VI or VI and sometimes reference VIM. Is there a difference? Yeah, okay. there is. I'll let you take it, Jess. Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't know the exact history, but I think even when you run VI now, I think even on like bare bones Linux servers, am I right, Michael? You're getting like VIM, VIM like VI improved. You know, it, uh, uh, d- I mean, okay. it, I think it depends. I think it depends on the distro. Like some will alias. Vita Vim, some will have like Vi as a yeah, basically as an alias for for Vim. So, um, so originally, I know it was that just on VI. some Ubuntu installer or Debian, yeah, Vi was the original thing that was built for like eighty character or eighty column console terminals um, and things like that. Vim, as as we know it, sort of now is Vi improved. Gotcha. That's what the the it's the Vi. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I think depending on on the distribution. Especially in in terms of like macOS will ship with a version of Vim installed. Um, some distributions of Ubuntu will come with Vim as well. I think Debian by default like is Nano maybe on a base install on an essential install. You can then install Vim Tiny or or Vim like the full Vim. So there's different versions of Vim as well. But for for most scenarios and what we talk about here, and I think probably as we get into the conversation, we're going to talk more about NeoVim. Um, Indeed. But Vim, Vi Improved is sort of the, the current. So they're at version 8 at the moment. Okay, so that's where we're at. So it's a text editor at its at its base, right? Is that That's what it is. And the nice thing is, mm-hmm. so the way that you interact with it is you just get into a shell and then you have access to Vi or to Vim, right? So you type in Vim and you get this nice, pretty little text editor. So it's not something you have to install. It's just there. It's already installed for you by default. It's already configured to a certain point, um, all set for you to go. Um, and as Michael mentioned, originally, or sort of like back in its roots, it was for computers back before you even had a mouse, which is if you don't have a mouse, you can't navigate around with a mouse. So what do you have left to navigate with? Your keyboard. So there is different uh, modes that you can be in in Vim. I think there is... I know there's insert and visual select mode. Uh, and I don't, mm-hmm. is the third one just called movement or what's it called? 
Normal. Normal. Okay. Yeah. So you have normal mode. There's, the, there's a handful. Those those are the three, the main ones. So there's normal, there's insert, and there's visual mode. I think there's two others as well. There's select and replace. Okay. Okay. So so if you're normally just in Vim, you pop into Vim, uh, you're going to then use your uh, use your keyboard to navigate around, up, down, left, right, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that one of the things that hardcore Vimmers are uh, pretty adamant about is you don't use the arrows. You do not use the arrow keys on your keyboard. Now, is that because <laughs> they didn't have arrow keys on keyboards back then? Or is it just because you're not hardcore if you use the arrows? Because the whole idea, and I'm getting a little bit off track, but the whole <laughs> idea behind some of this is efficiency, right? That is a big reason why people use mm-hmm. them is it's like you don't even have to take your fingers off the home row. You can navigate around, up, down, left, right using JKL and semicolon, right? You don't have to move your fingers off those rows, off, off those uh, keys to get around. Um. So is yeah. Tell me the thing with the arrows. What's what is that? Is that just a hardcore Vimmer thing? Yeah. Um. I mean, I think yeah. So the arrow movement that Vimmers use is like HJKL. So technically, you have to move your one finger. Oh, sorry, HJKL. To go, sorry. To go yep. left. Yeah. So uh, that was the first blasphemy, me, but I mean, we'll move on from that. <laughs> <laughs> it won't <laughs> no, be the last. I promise. Yeah. You'll have no, plenty to, of to be, <laughs> to be super clear, like you know. Um, I love the editor wars and this is like fun to, to banter, but I mean, use what you love, right? Like for, for years, I just used, you know, sublime and Adam and was super happy over there and then ended up moving to Mm -hmm. terminal Vim kind of as a lot of people were moving over to VS code. That was when I switched over and, um, yeah, but I had been using like Vim emulators in sublime and Adam for quite a while. And, and yeah, Mm -hmm. I I don't know the history behind the arrow keys to answer that question. Okay. I just know that like, yeah, there, there is an efficiency thing. Like for example, you know, your most important keys are your kind of your arrows and your escape key to go back to normal mode. And a lot of people rebind escape to something closer just because everyone hates reaching for escape. And I think it's probably Mm -hmm. the same with arrows. I don't know about the history of the arrow keys, but it is like efficient because it is right on your home row, like you said. So, Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Okay. So so at its core, that's Vim, right? So you've got Vim. It's uh, some that was a tiny bit of its history too. So it's pre-installed. It's a text editor, and one of the unique things about it is that you move around without using your mouse. Some you know iterations later, you can use your mouse if you choose to, I think. But that's kind of at the base what Vim is. So um, one of the things that um, you know, a lot of things we have available to us now. We have Sublime. We have VS Code. We have PHP Storm. We have all these IDEs. Um, and each of those IDEs, as far as I know, most of them also have modes where you can say, I want to have Vim bindings inside of these editors. So like in PHP storm, you can say, I want to use Vim movements inside of PHP storm or in VS code or in sublime. Right. Um, so for you guys in particular, even though those are there, what is for you guys, the attractiveness of why you would want to use Vim over something like, say, Sublime. What is it that that makes you say, I would rather use just plain Vim in the terminal rather than one of those tools? Well, I mean, for me, I I grew I grew up. I started my very first programming job was on servers. There was there was like no GUIs. So I was kind of forced yeah, makes to develop in Vim. And it like it always looked cool. And I don't, I don't think anyone has who has seen somebody working in um, in Vim. I don't think if you if you've ever seen someone who's proficient with Vim using Vim, you don't think, damn, that's cool, because it because you just fly around the keyboard. And so, as a young impressionable, you know, just starting to program person, 
that was something that was really cool to me. And it's like, well, if I could get a fish into that, it would always look cool. And people would look at me in the future and it'd look cool. But, um, you know, and I went, I'm the same as Jesse. I went uh, from originally Vim. I then went to, um, was it, you know, NetBeans and the old like pre-PHP storm days yep. with those IDEs yep. and, and that kind of stuff. And then um, I tried Adam and I tried Sublime Text and I tried PHP storm and Sublime and, and PHP storm. I had the bindings you know, idea Vim and, and whatever the Vim plugin is for Sublime Text, but they, they were never really sort of feature complete in terms of, um, you know, there were always things that you could do in Vim with natural bindings and, and the natural keyboard sort of inter- interaction. They just didn't work correctly mm. in any of those implementations. And a lot of that has changed now with NeoVim in, in the way that NeoVim is built. And you can kind of run NeoVim itself as an extension in vs code mm-hmm. um i've never done it myself but i've seen that that's something that you know that's kind of one of the cores is that you can embed neovim into other places and use it as a native kind of extension to those things so um but it was always like you know it, it's always the slant on php storm is that it uses so much memory sure. and that it's like a memory hog and it's slow and it's all this kind of stuff um the, the thing for me, and people say you spend a lot of time configuring Vim if you're going to use it and you need to do this, you need to do that. Um, I find that with Vim, you're always it's always an additive thing. You're always adding things as you need them. It's a just-in-time kind of configuration, whereas, um, you know, Calipausio has got the course on, on VS Code mm-hmm. where the default VS Code does a lot of stuff, but you start turning off a lot of that stuff. You know, you start turning off, um, the the sidebar, the the keyboard, you know, the um, what do you call it, the directory yeah, sure. tree yep. thing. Um, you turn that off. You turn off all of the status bars and the tab bars and all of this kind of stuff. So you're turning a lot of things off to get to a point where you have this nice, clean, clear editor. Where you know Vim is where you start with that. So where everything else is kind of reductive and you're taking things away. With Vim, you're adding things as and when you need. That's them. a really and interesting perspective. And for us as PHP yeah. developers. Mm-hmm. Um, for us as PHP developers, you know, you can use PHP Storm and you're just ready to go. Um, but it's a it's a clunky UI. There's a lot of stuff in there added over a lot That's of true. time and you end up like trying to figure out how to turn things yep. off and get getting rid of things. And, you know, Jeffrey's done a, a course on Laracast for the same thing. Um, but it's also very good for polyglot, polyglot programmers where you've got Vim and it will do everything for you. Um, you know, you can use it for PHP one day, I know that there's quite a lot of people in the community. Dale Reese popped up the other day and, you know, he's been quiet in PHP for a long time because he's doing stuff in Go. So, you know, you can tell Vim, hey, I want to um, have, when I open a Go file, I want it to do these things. And so you've got a, a Go language server and it's doing, you know, whatever linting and whatever stuff for Go, but then you can switch to PHP the next day or Ruby and all of that kind of stuff. And you can add it as and when mm. you need it without having to go, all right, well, I'm using PHP Storm today and then I'm using WebStorm and then I'm using, you know, PyCharm if I'm working with Python and things like that. So it's kind of that multi-purpose tool that, that kind of does it all. Um, and it's moving in, that, in the direction now where, you know, Microsoft spent however many millions of dollars on VS Code and they came up with the, the language server protocol, which is then portable to all the editors. And then the, the NeoVim team have then built that in as a native integration into NeoVim mm-hmm. so that it then supports all of those language server clients. I want to talk about um, that in a minute. Then, yeah, you know, the NeoVim idea. I want to talk about that in a second too. 
Um, mm-hmm. Before mm-hmm. I jump too far ahead with that, Jesse, is there anything that Michael didn't mention that you sort of would say, this is the particular reason why I use Vim full-time rather than one of those other editors? Yeah, he nailed a lot of stuff that I would have said. Um, like, I think it's a really interesting perspective too, what you say about being reductive and mm-hmm. whereas Vim being like an additive thing. Yeah. Um, that's totally the case. Like it's, that's bang on, you know, a lot of people want to open up their editor and just have everything ready to go. And that's why PHP storm is so awesome in ways. Right. So anybody can kind of jump in and have like a fully fleshed out environment and lots of intelligence there. And it's really cool refactoring tools and everything. Right. Um, and with Vim, you can add a lot of that back in, if not all of it. Um, it's just, it's additive though. You got to install plugins and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and you, you got to hunt, you got to like to configure, um, you got to enjoy that side of it as well. Um, but I would say just like along the lines of that enjoyment, like if you were to say like, why would I use Vim over these other editors? For me, it's just, um, like back when I used Sublime and Atom and I mean, yeah, you mentioned older editors like front page Mm -hmm. 2000, (laughs) um, but (laughs) back when I used, yeah, exactly. Um, back when I used those editors, if I wanted to like, let's just say I couldn't find a plugin for something and I wanted to, I wanted a feature, um, I, you know, even in Sublime, I had messed around with like, you know, maybe it'd be cool to build a Sublime plugin and, and maybe I wasn't capable enough at the time, but, um, same thing with Adam too. It's like, you really got to dig into a a lot of like JavaScript APIs and it's not, the community isn't really based around like teaching people how to build plugins. Whereas Vim, like that's what it's all about. It's all about writing your own Vim script functions or your own Lua functions. We'll get to NeoVim in a bit, but um, so like so many times, like uh, just an, as an example, um, you know, language intelligence or like with the LSP, you can import classes and all that. Right. So in PHP, I can import a class, but in Laravel, you can have real time facades where you want to prefix that that import with facade. And so I found it really kind of tedious to have to go all the way out to the top of the file and prefix with facade because that's like a framework specific thing. Mm-hmm. So in in another editor, I'm just kind of like unless I can find an artisan or a Laravel plugin for that, I'm kind of out of luck. Whereas with Vim, it was like, I'll just spend 15 minutes. I'll quickly go write a Vim script mapping so that I can just like, as long as my cursor's over top of that class, I can convert the import to a real-time facade, for example. And it's just so, I guess like the word is hackable. Like it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's the most hackable text editor in a way. Right. And, um, it's built that way too. So the whole community is about like teaching, you know, how to like, here's a plugin, here's how to override everything in these plugins and here's how to write your own functions and your own everything. So. Yeah, that's yeah. So some of the things I heard you guys say, like, um, that is that is interesting to me is that, you know, it's a lot of it is and this is why we love the Laravel uh, community as well is uh, or this is why we love using Laravel as well is because the community is so vibrant and so awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like Vim is similar. And that was actually one of the questions I was going to have later on. It's like, what's the community like? I have no idea. I've never been in, in Vim land for anything. Right. Um, but it sounds like it's definitely like a community slanted towards learning. I mean, if I, if I had to, if I had a dollar for every time I saw somebody making a new uh, Vim adventure thing to teach people the movements for, for how to use Vim. Right. I mean, there's just all these people that are really like invested in getting people onboarded. And so, um, yeah, that's really interesting. Okay. Uh, I want to jump over to this idea of, and we're going to, we're going to talk later about plugins and how we get all that stuff installed and everything. Uh, what, what Michael had said, which I would kind of want to jump to for those of you who have not used Vim very much, but literally when you start, that is all it is. You get in and it says, 
what do you want to do? And you can say like explore and that gives you like a file tree and you can just move through the file tree. When you press enter on a file, there's no file lines. There's no highlight. It's just text. That's it. Right. And so Mm -hmm. uh, what you said was like people really, they open an editor and it's so great. And then you have to remove all the crap that you don't want. So it's like, doesn't look like somebody threw up all over your screen. Right. And that's why I actually didn't Mm -hmm. go to PHP storm for so long. It's because like, it just looks terrible. And then Jeffrey came out mm-hmm. with that PHP Storm for hackers. I can't remember what it was called. It's not for hackers. It's like make PHP Storm awesome or something like that. And that yeah, was yeah. when I first switched over to PHP Storm. I was like, oh, okay, I, can think, I think I can get around this. Because um, I really, I, I'm a minimalist at heart. And I really love the how, you know, I really love a clean looking editor. So uh, totally get that. Okay, so let's talk about like these different flavors of Vim. So we have Vi, which was the original one. We have Vim, which is Vi Improved. You've mentioned NeoVim. Is there also something called like mm-hmm. MacVim or something like mm-hmm. that? What are mm-hmm. what are the different sort of flavors? What are we? What are you guys using? Um, are you using the Vim that just comes with the computer, or sounds like maybe you're using something called NeoVim? Can you help me understand kind of what mm-hmm. these are? Yeah, I mean, for a long time I was just Vim because it came with macOS, but um, I would I would always do a brew install to get you know the latest version. Um, and override the macOS shipping one. And I'd, I'd heard about NeoVim for a long time. I'm like, you know, what's that? This this is all working fine for me. And, and I didn't really have much interest in any of the, the deeper sort of configuration or hacking on the editor. I was content with plugins that were available and things like that. But, um, you know, Jose Soto and Jesse and, and Jess Archer have, have all been, you know, on the NeoVim train for a long time. And, and the more I got into it, the more I started looking at it, the more I kind of picked up on, you know some of the, the the better aspects of it. Um, the the community is something that that's really big. You know, Bramvim as it's called. So the, <laughs> the one that was written by I don't know if it's as it's called, but certainly what Jesse calls it a lot. Brand the, the version Did you call it Brandvim. Bram. 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 B R A M. Yeah. A A M. So he's Bram Van Van Ulenar. Yeah, Bram. <laughs> I apologize. M- the, M- or something. Yeah. Mulenar. Yeah. Bram. Yeah. So he's the he was the creator of of Vi Improved. Um, so whereas NeoVim is more of a, so Vim itself does have a community of contributors, but the way that it kind of handles those contributions is that Bram will take all of those contributions and sort of bring them in himself. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the commit history for Vim, everything is by Bram. Mm -hmm. He's the Um, benevolent dictator. Right, Mm -hmm. right. And so I think when you open just vanilla Vim, um, it will say like, you know, Bram, Bram Molinar, et al., and contributors or something like that as as the creator. Whereas NeoVim is a, is a much more sort of traditional, you know, as we've come to know, an open source project where there's lots of contributors and they all appear in the contribution graph and the commits are all there. Um, and it just seems like there's a lot more activity around sort of that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, you know, people like TJ DeVries and... Um, the primogen who that's all we know him as, although I know he and I share a name. So, um, you know, there's, there's people like that that are constantly out there that are always kind of building in public that are sharing off, um, you know, different plugins and different aspects of the community. So it's, it's always, um, it's always interesting to, to see that kind of thing. And it's something that we're kind of very used to in the Laravel community that, that people are always building in the open and they're always sharing and they're always sort of embracing that aspect of like teaching in the moment that you're learning it. And so it's just a much more engaging 
community, even even outside of you know me actually doing any plugins myself. I know that Jesse spends a lot of time in lure files and and getting into the nitty gritty of it. Whereas I just find it a much nicer experience. It's it's certainly like you feel part of NeoVim, whereas Vim you kind of just use. Sure. Okay. So um, it's, it's that, just a branch. So NeoVim is just a branch of Bram Vim, is what you're going to call it. It's a fork. It's a fork. It's a fork. Sorry. Yeah. Thanks. I'm not a branch. Yeah. A fork. So it's a fork. It, it's a fork of Vim. It it sort of supports Vim Vim script and the, and the Vim language and all of that, but it's written in Lua. So it's a much like it's it's written with a real language that you can. Um, that you can extend with and, and make your own configuration with and build your own extensions and plugins and things like that with. Um, they're, they're kind of diverging now in the same way that MySQL and MariaDB kind of are starting to diverge. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no guarantees that in the future, like when Vim 9 comes out, that um, it will continue to be compatible with with um, with NeoVim. And that's like not a knock on either of the projects. It's just different directions for mm-hmm. those two projects so so you'd install yeah. that with brew as well so NeoVim, you'd just install it with brew just like you would and then you just alias yep. it to when you type vim you just open NeoVim instead okay mm-hmm. yep. um and so I, i'm gonna and to add to, to that if i may yeah go ahead yeah absolutely please do so yeah and uh so mike was talking about the lua stuff and for me as the you know the guy who was always tinkering and writing stuff plugins and little functions and stuff like that. Um, so it's actually written in C, like it is like pretty low level stuff, but then it's all extendable via Lua. So you can still, it's all at, like Michael said, it's, it's all backwards compatible with Vim at the moment, but Vim nine, when it comes out has a new like Vim nine script. Um, and you know, it's basically, he's kind of written a newer proprietary language to kind of build on top of what's already there. And there's no guarantees that NeoVim is going to be backwards compatible with all of that. Um, but the, the cool thing about NeoVim is that it is like, like Mike said, a standard language that, you know, you can pull in other Lua libs and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. you find a a cool Lua snippet on Stack Overflow and you can copy and paste it into your function. Um, so yeah, it is just kind of that, again, that hackable open source, uh, mindset. Um, NeoVim specifically, you mean? Yeah, I'm talking yeah. about NeoVim specifically. So help me understand with like with BramVim. Is it okay if I call it BramVim, or do I is it just is that just a better <laughs> way to ex, you know explain it other than just saying Vim because Vim is almost like a generic term now, right? So yeah, we'll just call yeah. it BramVim, right? Okay, so so you said mm-hmm. that that's written in like Vim script or Vim language. Is that well? Is, I think what is that? Well, both of them are written in C. I think they're both um, written in C. Okay, yeah, it's just that when you're cut, like they're both scriptable, like by the end user. Okay, um, sure. Yeah. Like by, mm-hmm. by us in either Vim script or Lua. And so Bram Vim is all scriptable in in um in Vim script only. Okay. Uh, whereas NeoVim at the moment is backwards compatible with Vim script and okay. it's script scriptable with Lua. Now there are people that like do really weird things, like they'll write Python based plugins or Go based plugins, but then it just adds extra dependencies. So when someone installs your plugin, you have to they have to have to have like a they have to have or something. Those, yeah. Yeah. So okay. Out of the box, it's it's like uh, NeoVim is is all of that plus Lua and yeah. So you're saying that like Lua is an actual language, is what you said, whereas like Vim script is just a script sort of deal. Yeah, like, like, is, is it not yeah. like like Lua is used as... in? Go ahead. Lua is used in some like machine code stuff, or like you know if you're into um or like a lot of indie game jams and stuff like that. Well, okay, um, around Lua or like little hobby projects um might be Lua based um. Like Lua is an older language that I don't know. Well, I don't know if it's how old it is, but 
um, like it's a standard language before NeoVim. Gotcha. It existed. So, yeah. Okay, cool. So um, one other one. Have you guys ever heard of MacVim? Is that a thing? Or am I dreaming something up? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's a thing. Um, it's it's basically just, a, I, as I understand it, a GUI wrapper around Vim. Okay, so, so you can of, run it as a sort of native application. So if you haven't like set up your, like if, if you're still using like Mac console instead of like iTerm or something like that, and you just want to have like a standalone application that just mm-hmm. wraps around Vim, yeah. you just run MacVim. Okay, but it's not, it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah. not on the same page really as NeoVim. It's just a wrapper. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm taking some good notes here, guys. So I'm going to, maybe I'll be, uh, have some show notes for us at the end, Michael, instead of you having to make some. So that might be handy. Cool. Okay. Just a wrapper around Vim. All right. So um, I'm not yes. sure. Just Sorry. M- Mike, if with MacVim, I don't think you can exit out to the terminal either. Like you could use the terminal in Vim, but you can't, you, you can't exit out. Right? No, because yeah. it like it opens its own sort of environment. So yeah. you, you you open MacVim and it's straight into Vim. Yeah. Um, if you exit, then it closes the application. Um, so you can you can use command mode and things like that to to run mm-hmm. commands. You know whatever you need to do. But um, yeah, it's closed. It's closed. Okay. Yeah. And and Vim and NeoVim have like a built-in terminal, so you could technically do the in like inception thing and go like open vim open a terminal in vim then open vim in the terminal and just kind of keep going down the rabbit hole but yeah oh okay i gotcha i gotcha so yeah because typically you're gonna you're just gonna open neovim from from your uh from your iterm or something like that yeah so like typically how do you get into how do you get into vim when you're gonna open a project you just go like you open iterm you like hyper jump to like whatever whatever you know directory you're gonna be working in and then just vim and then just open it up there vim dot slash basically something like that Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then what you're saying is inside of NeoVim, NeoVim has its own like terminal you can open up, like so in a different mm-hmm. window, right? Similar to like on PHP Storm, you have like you can open up a console like a Bash or a uh, ZSR, whatever it is, you know, Z Shell in yep. in yep. Uh, a window down there. You're saying NeoVim has the same thing. It does. Yeah. But I, both both Michael and I are using Tmux. So I mean, there's, ah, okay. There's so Which much. I use Tmux yeah. There's. As well. There's so many options and so much overlap, but yeah, for the people who aren't using Tmux and maybe they just want a quick little like one one pane in Vim. In in, in Vim, they call those windows. So one okay. pane, um, they might want to have a little terminal in the corner. Then you could do that without something like Tmux. But um, and we but will yeah. come back to Tmux too for people who don't know what Tmux is because <laughs> I didn't know what Tmux was until not too long ago. I think Michael told me what Tmux was, and I was I'm I'm in love with it now. So um, we will come back to Tmux. Okay, so. I wanted to talk a little bit about movements or chords. Uh, I've cut talking about it as chords a little bit just because I think it, it makes a good parallel to like what what advantage it has. But um, just to kind of give an outline of what I'd like to talk about before we wrap up the show, because we're at 31, which we got plenty of time. I want to talk about some of these movements and some of like the advantages you get uh, from keyboard navigation as opposed to mouse navigation. And then put mm-hmm. kind of where I wanted to move to after that is some common things that, that I don't know how to do in Vim that I would like for you guys to help me understand how I could get some of these features that I'm looking for. And we're just talking about simple ones, uh, but just some features that I would love to be able to have in Vim that I don't currently have set up. And you guys can kind of point me in the right direction for how to do some of those things. Does that sound reasonable? Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. So um, we have the different modes. We have normal mode, which again is basically you're just navigating through your um, uh, through your file uh, using those H J K L, right? Up, down, left, right. 
Um, and then you have, in addition to that, you have these special um, shortcuts, right? So, um, so like W jumps you forward a word, right? And B mm-hmm. jumps you backwards a word. And like dollar sign gets you to the end of a line and zero gets you to the beginning of a line. And if you press O, you get something, you know, you get a new line below. And if you press uppercase O, you get a new line above or whatever. So uh, mm-hmm. there's all these interesting um keyboard shortcuts that you have um that when i i remember i went from so my journey was a little bit different than yours michael you said you started sort of in the terminal you were working on servers right for me i was like on a windows Mm -hmm. xp machine and i remember i used notepad that's all i had like notepad (laughs) i didn't know there was anything else out there and then it was like notepad plus plus was like blow my mind this is incredible like there's like syntax highlighting what is this magic um and so that was incredible but i didn't have any sort of keyboard shortcuts and notepad plus plus i knew nothing about any of that stuff mm-hmm. and then sublime came along and the whole multi-cursor thing blew my mind so i was like no mm-hmm. way this mm-hmm. is incredible i can have like a cursor on different lines and like this is so much faster um and then vim came along and i'm like yeah too much i, I don't I'm, I'm drowning in this amazingness <laughs> right but but um you know there's these different keyboard shortcuts and then in addition to that i, I wanted to talk a little bit about bindings as well because you can set up your own stuff right uh, so those are sort mm-hmm. of the two things I wanted to focus on. So what are some of the, uh, you know, I know there are a bunch of different sort of courses that help you to learn some of the basic and are we going to call them movements? Is that the the, the correct word mm-hmm. for it is a movement? Yeah. Okay. Yep. I think, I think it's, we, we should set a baseline here. First of all, that it's a, it's, it's a language. They're not sort of shortcuts. Okay. And I think, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to look into anything, that's something that, that you need to understand. And yes, that there are movements mm. um, and the movements that, that you can carry out in different operating modes. So, you know, we talked about those at the start, normal mode, insert mode, um, visual mode, replace mode, select mode. Um, in terms of key bindings, they're useful for sort of shortcutting things that you do all the time. Um, Vim, Vim has this notion of buffers. So every file that you open goes into a new buffer. If you close a file, it, it moves out of the active buffer, but it's still it's still there. So if you think in terms of like PHP is almost sublime, if you open a file and a new tab, it's there. If you close the tab, it's, it's gone. gone. Yep. In in Vim, it remains open in the buffer. Interesting. So you could then switch to that buffer, um, go back and and you know continue editing as though the file was open the whole time. But the the cool thing about that is that you have persistent undo. Mm. for that for that vim session um so you could go oh no i have messed up i'm not using git for you know whatever um so you just go and hit undo a few times until you get back to to a working state so um that's really useful but if you're doing that a lot you know if you go to the the buffer list well to go to the buffer list you have to uh, leave insert mode go to normal mode you know hit command go buffer list enter that'll open up the list of open buffers go and find the one that you want that's a lot of typing um and it's no different in Storm. You know, you can use the command palette to go and open a file, but you're opening the file again. Whereas buffers, you might have, you know, your test open and your route, you know, your routes file and your controller and whatever. And so you can just jump around between them quite easily. Um, so something that I do a lot is that I have my leader key. So the leader key is, is what's used to sort of prefix all of your uh, your key bindings. So I'd go leader B and that would open up a picker that shows me all of my open buffers and then I can just go back to that file and continue editing. Um, if I'm finished on a on a piece of work, well, I've got you know six or seven different files in my buffer list. 
I've got a I've got another key binding setup that will go and just like d- close all of those but or delete those buffers or destroy them. It's cool. So um, the key bindings are good for for things that you do often, but are you know there's a lot of keystrokes involved in it. So you it's Vim Golf essentially. You want to <laughs> you want to hit as few characters as possible um, without you know hitting all those characters. And so a lot of it just comes down to. Um, sort of just getting used to it. Yeah. To to you know, it's it's uh, muscle memory effectively. I use a lot of mnemonics for for my stuff. So you know, I want to buffer destroy, BD. I want to buffer destroy all BDA. You know that kind of stuff. Control P is port- portable. You know, if I hit Control P, it'll open up my file list. Um, all all those kinds of things. You know, if I want to find and buffer, it's leader FB. If I want to, um search through things you know i want to do a regex well it's leader r all of this what's kind leader of stuff. what's leader what you you say that a couple so, times like is that like a super key yeah it's it's essentially your prefix so before any of these key bindings you would have a leader so and i have leader i'm I don't trying to make sure the, i understand what you're saying is it l l e a d e r leader okay. l e a d r yeah and so, yep. and so you can map it to whatever you want um i i use comma i know that jesse <laughs> i think you use space right yep yep um, I don't know. It's been so long. I don't know what the default is in I don't, in Vim. I'm not sure is if there even is a default. Maybe there is. I'm not and sure. that's only okay. when you're in normal mode, right? Yeah. You have to be in normal well, mode. No, and no. Then... Well, you, no, no. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> okay. It depends on how you set your bindings up. You can set up your bindings um, such that you can use them in insert mode or in visual mode or whatever. You can have the same one. But like Jesse wouldn't in, want, in yeah, Jesse wouldn't want space mapped in insert mode as a leader key. Exactly. Right? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Okay. And, and because if you're so, yeah, in, you just, have... just to be clear for people who are listening, so like if you're in insert mode and you've not used Vim before, if you if you're in insert mode and you press space, you would expect that to be space, right? It's going to mm-hmm. do space. Um. So if you had a leader key like that, so so like earlier, Michael said like undo. Right. And uh, if you're in normal mode, that's U for undo. Mm-hmm. But if you're in insert mode, mm-hmm. U is just going to insert a U. That's what it's doing. Right. Um, and then yep. one other thing real quick, uh, when you were talking about those buffers, to me, in my brain, that's just like open tabs. Right. Like I, like if I have right. tabs along the top of my stuff, that's just open tabs. Right. Essentially, mm-hmm. so that is, all those buffers mm-hmm. are just open tabs. Now, they're open in the background. They haven't been saved. They're just they're modified. They're sitting there waiting for me to come back to or to save mm-hmm. them or to close and don't save sort of deal okay jesse back to leaders so you're talking about key bindings and leaders in different modes mm-hmm. so yeah so um so yeah you, you bring up the insert mode thing and insert mode is kind of the the odd sheep because that's the one mode where you don't really use your leader okay. um but like uh, so normal and visual mode being the two main other modes i think there's yeah like michael said there's others too but um less used so you've got your normal mode and your visual mode and you can have totally separate leader mappings for both of those modes so my leader r in normal mode could be my prefix for running tests, right? So I I, I usually do like leader R um, N, so R N for like run nearest test to my cursor. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just runs the nearest test method or uh, leader R L for run the last test. Let's say I'm in my implementation and I don't even have my test on the screen. I can um, space R L to run my last test. But then when I'm in visual, mm-hmm. when I'm in visual mode, leader R could be something totally different, like replace this line with something else like R for replace. Mm-hmm. So the leader mm-hmm. can be reused across modes, but it's in uh insert mode. It's not really a thing. That makes sense. Okay. That's and, how, that helps me and you know, a lot. Yeah. Jesse and I have bindings that do the same thing, but for him, it's, you know, leader R N 
but for me it's leader TN. So yeah. I, you know, test nearest. Mm-hmm. I've got TF for test file, TA for test all, mm-hmm. um, TL for test last. So, you know, this is where it comes down to um and, and we were talking about this on the on the Vim Discord that, that we've got the Vim support group. Um those kind of things I say deeply personal. Everyone's got their own mm-hmm. mnemonic devices and their own approaches to things and their own things that work for them, you know. And that's the same. PHP Storm works for some people. Vim works for others. VS Code works for others. So everyone's got the thing that works for them. And I think the the key to it, especially if you're starting out, is you can consume a lot of other people's dot .files. I've got mine shared. Jesse's got his shared. Like heaps of people share the dot .files mostly for, you know, I've got a new machine. I just want to get it spun up very quickly. But we keep these curated actively. And so we're always looking at each other's and other people's and, and adding and changing. And, you know, you might have something that works for you, but you might see something else that in someone else's dot .files that kind of, oh, yeah, actually that makes more sense to me. I hadn't thought of it that way. And so looking at other people's is a good way to get started, but it's a terrible way, in my opinion, um, to, to like cultivate something that works for you, mm-hmm. if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, right. It's because like, um, like you said, like the whole idea of Vim being additive, right? So that, and I think that was the problem for me is I'm like downloading somebody's VimRC file. I have no idea what any of this means. And it's like, I'm having to strip back anything that I don't understand so I can just get it to work. And it's like, Mm -hmm. no, no, no. The better way to do it is to start very vanilla and then build it up Mm -hmm. as you learn it. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. The the, uh, legendary T Pope, uh, Tim Pope is like a a really well known Vim creator or Vim plugin creator. On his, he publishes his dot files as well. And I've learned a bunch of cool stuff from there. But like right on his GitHub repo, it's just like, uh, I think right in the description of his dot .files repo, it says something like for T-Pope only, don't use. <laughs> don't, <laughs> because don't the, cause like, yeah, because like the idea is, yeah, you're not supposed to clone someone else's setup down. The idea is you're supposed to like, yeah, like you said, add, you know, when you need something, when you when you feel like you need something, um, as you need it, you add it. And if you need to, you know, look for, ins- looking for inspiration in someone's dot .files is one thing, but um, it is deeply personal. So. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a couple of things. Um, yes, so we have these leaders and leaders can be different depending on which mode you're in and you can set it to be whatever you want. Um, so one thing that I'm used to doing and I'm I'm jumping a little bit ahead here because this is kind of what I wanted to talk about later, which is how do I accomplish some of these particular things? So I'm being a little bit more specific than what I'd like to be. But, you know, in Sublime and in VS Code and in PHP Storm, there's no such thing as different modes, right? And so what you end up doing is mm-hmm. these key combinations, you almost use leaders, if you will, to kind of sort of tell the keyboard, hey, I'm not doing a normal action here, right? So something like command shift is a very common almost leader, if you will, to say, I am wanting to perform an action here. So like if I want to duplicate a line, I'm pressing command shift D, right? So again, like in mm-hmm. PHP Storm or in Sublime, I'm not changing modes. I'm just basically saying I'm always in insert mode when I'm in Sublime. But when I press these particular combinations, it's like I'm getting ready to tell you I'm going to do an action, not an insert, right? So like Command Shift D mm-hmm. does a duplicate line. So typically for you guys, like, is that something you would say in insert mode to do? Or do you guys pop out of insert mode into normal mode and then execute some command? Is that what you call it? Movement mm-hmm. command? I don't know what would you call it. Key binding? Whatever. To duplicate a line, like what? What does that look like for you? Do you press escape real quick? You press Y Y to yank, and then mm-hmm. you know I don't know what. How does yep. how do you guys typically do that? I think for a lot of that stuff, you get fairly comfortable fairly quickly, or you you sort of need to get fairly comfortable fairly quickly. 
to jump in and out of modes. Mm. Um, and, you know, I I have had caps like, like there was the big hubbub around, you know, the touch bar Max that didn't come with an escape yeah. key and mm. everyone's like, oh, the escape. <laughs> no one uses the escape key, really. Yeah. So to change um, out of modes and what we're talking about, and you talked about Libus earlier, Jesse, to to pop out of normal mode or out of, to pop out of insert mode, it's escape, right? Typically, by default, to get back to normal by mode. By default, yep. it's escape, correct. Yep. So you're but saying nobody, so nobody is, uses Vim on a daily. Nobody nobody uses escape to mm-hmm. do that is what you're saying. Well, there's well they would, but there's a there's a whole school of thought. There's I think two main schools of thought. There's those of us like me who remap the caps lock key mm-hmm. to escape because I'm never using caps lock. Like it's very rare that I'm going to want caps lock. Um, and then there's another school of thought which I think Jesse you subscribe to, which is use like JJ. Is that right? Uh, so I JK? I use uh. Well, I, I use both actually. So um, I use <laughs> J, I use JK because JJ is like one finger. If it's JK, you can roll. So it's just kind of mm. nicer. But if if you hit, and when you're in insert mode, there's no like English word. Maybe in another language, this is a problem. But there's no English word that really has the letters JK in a row. So if you type JK in a row, it exits you as if you had hit escaped. Uh, mm-hmm. Exits you back to as it's exits insert mode back to normal mode. Um, but I've I kind of want to get away from that because um, I'm doing the caps as escape thing too. I, I still have JK bound just because it's such an old habit I've been doing for like six or seven years ever since I was mm-hmm. using like the sublime editors and everything. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, he's totally right. Like when the, you know, the MacBooks didn't have the escape key to me, it was the same thing. It's like a big deal. Cause like none of us want to reach up yeah. there anyway. So yeah, right. It is like, yeah. you, you know, let's say your pinky's going to fall off with as many times as you jump between modes. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you say, you said J, uh, you JJ or JK is what you were using. And now you're just saying, eh, I'll, I'll just go back to caps lock. So I actually have to use caps lock, which is insane, but I'd mm-hmm. have to for mm-hmm. some of the stuff for my mm-hmm. job. Like mm-hmm. there are particular, things where they can only i mean it sounds wild but they they always write in all caps in this one particular application you mm-hmm. have to write in all caps and so i need the caps lock yeah um so and some some people actually remap caps in different ways where they like you know tri- uh triple tap triple tap shift to enable caps they do stuff like that oh interesting um or I've, mm-hmm. or I've heard of people where if you if you like hold left and right shift together then that can uh trigger caps oh, that's a cool so idea. your caps mm-hmm. so your caps key becomes your escape but there's still other ways of entering caps if you want to do that so now real um, quickly I, and I, i'm sorry jesse i keep interrupting you i just i'm you might learn about me eventually i am only able to keep a couple things mm-hmm. in my brain at a time because my brain's going 10 <laughs> directions at once um so I'm going to write down my thought down and so you can continue your thought if you can manage to remember where you were at. Sorry about that. Oh, no, 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 no worries. Um, yeah, I guess the only thing, other thing I would add is just to sort of extend what you had said is you had asked, would you jump out to normal mode or would you make an insert mode mapping for that? And I think it just really depends um, on what it is. So for example, I don't have very many insert mode mappings, but a, a real common one that I really like is as your editor adds like bracket pairs or like quote pairs when you're like typing mm, yeah. out like PHP, php arrays and stuff often i'll want to go to the end add a comma and then go to the next line like i'm i'm building out an array or an object Mm -hmm. and so you know one of my favorite insert mode mappings is where i can in insert mode i just double tap comma and what it'll do is it'll go into normal mode for me it'll go to the end of the line it'll put the comma in and then go back to insert mode so i can just keep typing so it kind of just it kind of just does all that for me and because you never like double need to double tap comma and same thing with uh semicolon if i double tap semicolon from the middle of a line it'll automatically append a semicolon to the end of the statement 
um, and then just leave my cursor there for me. But um, what you had said was, uh, you know, do you just go back out to to normal mode? And I, I realize for like non-Vimmers, that's sort of a, a mindset thing. But I think for us Vimmers, we just, we kind of are like our regular mode is always, always, always normal mode. The only time you ever go into insert mode is when you're briefly typing something, which as programmers, you're just typing something here and there, right? And then you're not, you're navigating code way more than you're typing usually. So you're, you go into insert mode, you type the thing, and bef- and as soon as you're done typing, it's like habit. You hit escape. You're back to normal mode. You don't even think about it. Mm. Um, yeah. You don't really stay in insert mode. You don't navigate code in insert mode. So it's like you type your thing, you get out. And so then mm-hmm. from there, if you said like, oh, I want to move this line down or I want to copy the line, like you're already in normal mode at that point because your habit just brought you back to normal mode. It was it was a habit. Mm. So I'm writing this down. Yeah. Vimmers are always in normal mode by default. <laughs> That's right. We're all normal by default. Trust me. <laughs> it's because um, it's just instinct. You know, you finish typing what you're typing in here to escape, mm-hmm. and then you stop and you think, like, what am I going to do next? Kind of thing. Exactly. Um, yeah. And and so yeah, it's we're never we're never going so to it's like, normal yeah, mode. Right. We're coming from normal. That mode. makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes more sense. So because yeah. when you when you open Vim, you start in normal Correct. mode. True right? story. Mm-hmm. So um, you open a file, you're still in normal mode. You go into insert mode to do something, and then you come out of it again. Um, so normal, as, as Jesse points out, that's the default state. Okay. I want to follow one thread that you guys brought up a little bit here. Um, you know, one of the nice things about having, well, I don't know, it, one of the nice things and maybe one of the overwhelming things is it's set up exactly how you want, but there are so many settings. And so one of the things I'm curious about is when you said like, I map caps lock to escape or I have JJ or JK, mm-hmm. whatever. So you know, or somebody hits triple shift. So that's not something you're mapping in Vim. That's like a OS binding, I'm guessing, right? If you're mapping caps lock to escape, mm-hmm. is that in Vim? Yep. So that's that just something that's, yeah, no, no, no. So that's just built into Mac OS. If you go into your system preferences keyboard, mm-hmm. you can, you can modify, you can change the modifier keys. So you don't have an installed um, something to do that. You're not installing like carabiner or anything like that. No. So I did for a long time, just use the Mac OS preferences. I use carabiner now. Um, and that's mainly because I map tapping caps lock to escape. Mm-hmm. But if I hold caps lock, then that becomes like a super key, which is a combination of control, shift, option, and command, which is not something like if you're trying to contort your hand, yeah. it's like that claw kind mm-hmm. of thing to, to do that. Yeah. So but it, nothing, nothing, <laughs> right. So nothing in Mac OS is like using those things. So it unlocks a whole new world of key bindings where I'm using that in car- Carabiner in conjunction with like better touch tool to go like caps lock held plus one, two, three, four, five, we'll then go to desktop one, desktop two, desktop three, desktop four, desktop five. And I, I tweeted about this um, last week or the week before about, you know, using a single screen mm-hmm. and how I like do that effect effectively. And, you know, people, people often have like two screens or three screens, or they've got like a, you know, a portrait one and they've got a landscape screen and then they've got a portrait one next to it. Cause they're doing all this kind of stuff. And, People that are using like their Mac to- MacBooks, it's like, oh, I just, I, it's for music. I'm like, why well, listen to music with my ears? I don't need to look at it to see the music kind of what thing. What about those so, sweet winning um, visualizers? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, you know, all, all of that kind of stuff. And and this is something that like when you get deep in, in the weeds of, of using Vim, um, and, and I've been doing it for, when did I start programming? 2005, so a long time now. It'll be 17 years in July that I've been programming. So um, you kind of do these things 
over time that they help you be efficient. And that's different for everyone. For mm. me, it means using Tmux and Vim and staying in the terminal 90% of the time, which is aided in my new job by the fact that I'm predominantly working on an, on an open API mm. and, and building an API. So I don't really need to leave the terminal ever. Um, I've got MySQL in the terminal. I've got tests in the terminal. I've got Git in the terminal. So I just stay in this in this one place. And then every now and then I have to pop out to check my email or whatever else or, or, or messages. So mm. um, it's just it's just like a mindset thing overall this time that you try and drive the efficiency that that works for you. And that, that really is what, you know, VM and its key bindings and its additive configuration nature are all about. It's like honing it to what you need. Um, you know, and you hone your skills and you hone your tools and, and you come, come to whatever works for you. Now, Jesse, really, I'm going to, at the end of the day, yeah, I'm going to come back to you, Jesse, real quick. So like, cause you had said you mapped JJ or JK is that's something that's just done in Vim then, I'm guessing, right? So it's not because it's not like Vim yeah. can't map something other than escape to get you out of normal or instant mode into normal mode, right? So that yeah. is that something you can just map up in Vim? Yeah, totally. So uh my JK mapping to go out to to leave and go back to normal mode is a Vim mapping. Okay. Um, because I don't ever want to hit escape that way elsewhere. Um, but Again, I'm, I'm kind of moving away from that. I'm going to the caps thing, but you kind of just got to think like, is this something that would be useful outside of Vim? And then, yeah. and then, and then either use the Mac settings, or if you need something more advanced like that, triple tap to caps or whatever. Then you'd switch to Carabiner or like sure. keyboard, keyboard firmware or whatever you're doing, right? I just got sure, this new okay. keyboard, so that's I'm like right. yeah. messing messing with firmware and everything. Yes, right? but, that's interesting. Um, too. But yeah, so like for me, like I, I would say if there's two things that I had to map outside of Vim, it would like by far be the escape key on caps. And I do the similar thing to Mike where I hold escape to get a control. Um, it's just more comfortable, especially on uh, this keyboard or even on a Mac when you got that function key in the corner, it's kind of weird reaching for the corner. Mm. So um, sometimes you miss it. I know you get used to it, but if you're switching between like a desktop keyboard and then the MacBook keyboard, the control's in a weird spot. Mm-hmm. So I, I've kind of always liked having, um, you tap you tap caps for escape or you hold it for control. And then... Um, the arrow keys, right? So uh, just having, like, once you get used to HJKL arrows, you want them everywhere. So that's another one that I'll do in Carabiner or mm-hmm. on my keyboard firmware where I, like, I hold a button. I've got a layer button now where I hold it and then HJKL becomes arrow keys like everywhere in Mac. Um, mm-hmm. And that's super handy. Like let's say you're in the browser, you're, you know, wherever you are, you're, you're in a dropdown somewhere you don't have to like reach down for the arrow keys. It's right there under your fingers already. And you're already used to HJKL because mm-hmm. you do it all day long. Yeah. Um, so those are kind of the two things I would do outside of Vim. But yeah, everything else would probably be in Vim. Um, that's actually nice too. If you have a, like if you have like a 60% keyboard, whatever, mm-hmm. which, which if you like those little mm-hmm. tiny keyboards, which I do, but mm-hmm. mine, the one that I bought <laughs> didn't come with arrow keys on it, which was like, right. no. And so I tried to do that. I tried to map like a caps lock and then whatever. But what I found is it became really difficult when I wanted to do, um, like if I wanted to like jump backwards, like if I wanted to press like control shift and then arrow left, which like to like jump back and select while I'm jumping back. Um, mm-hmm. I couldn't, it was like, it was, I had to do like control shift and caps lock and then do the air. It just did not work. It was, it was not, it yeah. was not great. Um, and so anyway, if I was using Vim full time, it probably wouldn't have mattered, but I wasn't. And so it did matter. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay, so mm-hmm. there's some key binding stuff uh, and um, that's good. The uh, We're going to be out of time here pretty quick. 
I want to keep T-Mux for a different ep- a different episode. We can come back to that and uh, yeah. and hit that. Um, one item I did want to ask about real quick here because this was such a like a life changer for me. Um, and then maybe we can wrap with this and then we can come back. Jesse, are you down to come back another another show and talk some more about some Vim stuff? I'd love to. Yeah, I've got I've got more thank questions. You for ha- thank you for having me. Yeah. yeah, it's been super fun and super educational. I really appreciate it. you guys have answered so many questions for me already. Um, multi cursor. We're all support. just big hacks. Yeah, right. Seriously. Well, yeah, we are. Yeah. I'm the biggest. <laughs> I'm the biggest hack. Hey, um, multi cursor support. So this was a big deal for me, um, and I use it a pretty regular basis on a pretty regular basis. So like, um, I'm trying to think of a good instance. Uh, if I have Let's say I just have a set of like a CSV and like that's the only way I can get this data. It's just a CSV that somebody dumps Mm -hmm. to me and that's just how it is. There's no way there's no way for me to get it. And so what I want to do is I want to just say like I want to put a cursor at the end of each one of these lines and I want to jump back until I get to this column that I'm interested in. And then I want to shift and jump forward and grab. It's just going to be the first name, last name. Right. But there's no easy way for me Mm -hmm. to like search regex and get that thing from that file. I just need to be able to grab all of them at once copy them and then delete everything else and then paste them back in. And now I have a list of every first name, last name. And then I want to put a cursor on the end of every line, put a comma, jump back, and then put them into a single line by pressing backspace. Right. So now I have a comma separated list of all the names. And now I can do something like a where in search in my SQL or whatever, paste mm-hmm. that in. Right. What, what's the multi-cursor story? Like what's, what would be the scenario? How would you guys go about doing something like that? I just described. Um, I know that there's a couple of plugins that that do multi-cursor honestly mm. i thought I, I was like you i thought multi-cursor was the greatest thing since sliced bread when i was using sublime text <laughs> but i there are very few scenarios where i've needed it since moving over to vim and i think part of that is just the kind of stuff that i'm doing you know where i'm not going through csvs but in scenarios where i need to do something that would like it would be multi-cursor um i usually record macros yeah, and too. I'm like, okay, so I need to, these are the the steps that, so I need to go down, I need to go to the end of the row, I need to go back three commas, I need to select the next, until the second comma, and then copy with that, copy that, or do whatever with it. Um, and then I would record that as a macro, and then I would just replay it anytime that I needed it. So if I needed to do it across the whole file, or across, you know, 10 records, or the, you know, whatever, mm. I can do that quite easily by by using recorded macros. And I've And I've done that quite a bit. There are still some scenarios where I drop out of Vim and go into Sublime Text, sure. I where I that's need always an that option. kind of functionality. Right. Yeah, it's always an option, I suppose. Yeah, um, you know, and you know, using the right tools for the right, right, that makes right sense. things is is still something that I'm, you know, I'm not I'm not going to rule it out just because I'm I want to stick to Vim. And I still do that right now with like PHP Storm. There are things that PHP Storm like right. I don't. If I have to do that, I always jump over to Sublime. I never do it in PHP Storm. You can't. Mm-hmm. You can't. It's not. Right. You can't do it. I still yeah. jump to um, I still jump to VS Code if I want to run Xdebug because the Xdebug wrapper in Vim is kind of obtuse, and I just like having those play and step into buttons. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't use it a, a whole ton, but when I do, I'll I'll VS Code. That's pretty much the only thing I open VS Code for. But yeah, nice, yeah, yeah. right tool for the right so, job. So like yeah, said. I think yeah. macros, mm. yeah, macros get you a long way with a lot of things, um, and and macros sounds like a scary thing it's really just a way of recording keystrokes and then replaying them just so i know that i'm going to go i know that i'm going to press j to go down the line i know i'm going to press dollar to go to the end of the line i know that i'm going to like um three shift f comma to go back to the third shift f comma so shift f searches backwards okay yep 
Um, and then I know that I'm going to want to like um, Y2F or yeah, Y2F comma Yank to go forward. and grab like yeah. Yank two forward mm-hmm. and then hit escape and then I'm going to end the, the macro. And so then if I press at and then whatever, so if I go QW, that'll record a macro to the W key. So to replay that, I would then just go like at W and it would replay that sequence of characters. It would go down, it would go to the end of the line, it would search back three commas, it would yank, you know, and then you do whatever else you need to do there. And then you and just do that, do that you know, however many times. times or something. Or yeah. what? I mean, it, it's not going to record all to a or, And then you can go at, it? at. Well, you can. You can, mm. or you could do, you know, quick fix lists and things like that um, and send that kind of stuff out that way. Like there's a whole bunch of different ways of doing it. Um, but then at, at will replay the last mm. macro. So you can just do that as well. And macros are kind of like a, in a way, um, multi-cursors on steroids. Like it is a little bit of a different thought process because the multi-cursors, you can see the changes yeah. on all the lines happening at once versus a macro is like you do it on one line first and then play it back on the other lines. It's the same result, but it is. But the, why I say it's on steroids is because um, with multi-cursors, you're really limited to basically your text editing and movement just kind of at the native text editor level. Whereas with Vim macros, you can get really clever and you can like save your macros into mappings and reuse them like in other Vim sessions or like, you know, two weeks from now, I can play back that macro that I had used two weeks ago. If I, mm. if I think it's a handy one, I'll just save it for later. Or you can like, as you're recording your macro, you can call a function. Like if you have like, you know, I have that import real-time facade function I mentioned earlier, that can be part of your playback in your macro. So anytime you play back that macro, it's doing something more than just a little text edit. It might be doing some more mm-hmm. like a logical thing. Um, or you can get really crazy and like call ma- like playback macros in your recorded macros and do the whole exception thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it, it basically, it starts off kind of um, like it, it fulfills your need for multi-cursor. But then when you need to do like something more custom, like a substitution or run a function on something, like you're not, with a, a multi uh, with multi cursor, you, you you can't do that. But with the vet macros, you totally can. Okay, so if I have like one more scenario here, I have something with a class of p dash btn, right? And I have twenty of them on the page, but I only need to replace the next three. Um, what would you do for that? So it's, just, it's like a is it a visual select thing? What would you what would you do in that case? So like I don't know exactly where they're at. I can't really record a macro. I just know there's the next three on the page somewhere. I need to get to those next three and I need to change them to R B T N, right? Instead of pink button, I need them changed them to R button, right? Whatever that might be. I have this terrible example, but it's just what I came up with the top of my head. Mm-hmm. What's what's a good way mm-hmm. to do that? So what I usually do, I obviously there's probably like five or six or seven different ways to do this, right? But if you could either visually select one and then paste it in, like manually do it three times over. Um, but I don't kind of what I find myself doing more and more these days is um, highlighting the lines with like capital V. So I'm doing line select, highlighting the lines where I want to do a substitution. Um, and then just doing my like a substitution in Vim is where you do like S slash um, foo slash bar. So you'd replace all foos with bars and you'd hit enter. Right. Um, but if I if I prefix that, you know how like um, regular expressions have flags. So your yep. substitution can can have a flag where you can go slash g for globally. So it'll like do like multiple replacements on a line, and then I'll mm-hmm. often do like slash c. So that's confirm. So what I can do is say like everywhere in this file, substitute foo for bar slash g slash c. And as soon as I hit enter, 
it'll go one occurrence at a time. And Vim will ask me at the bottom, will say, are you sure you want to replace this one? Oh, why, cool. or, why or end? Like, yes or no. Nice. And I can basically mm-hmm. just keep going. And as soon as I'm done, I can hit escape and exit out of it. Um, and can you have it start so, at the line yeah. where you're at? Does the global do it, that it, or does it start yeah. at the top? Yep. It depends on whether you run it on the whole file or whether you just... Uh, yeah, if yeah. you do it on a selection. Exactly. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Wow, that, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, especially with things like Tailwind, right? Which I know you're a fan of as well, right? Like sometimes when you're not extracted to a component yet and you're just kind of playing with stuff, you end up with these lists of classes of multiple things. At least I do this. Um, and sometimes I need to like, oh, the margin on the tops of these next three needs to be one instead of four. I just want to see what that looks like, right? And so I need to quickly be able to like change margin four M4 to M1, right? Or, or vice versa. Or, oh, okay, I need to change it to M2, right? And so to be able to quickly do that just in, during the prototyping phase is really helpful. That's why I ask that one. Okay, cool. Guys, I've got a ton of other questions. Let me, let me give you a little teaser of kind of like what the other questions I have here for uh, next show are maybe. We have multi-cursor support. How do I get a sidebar of my files? How do I split panes horizontally and vertically? What's the best tool to do that? I'm sure there's a million. You guys might have your own options. Tmux is probably the preferred uh, item of choice there. How do I quickly switch between projects? Global find and global find and replace. How do I like insert a use statement at the top? How do I initialize properties from a constructor? How do I run tests quickly from a particular location? Right. So these are some of the things that I use very commonly uh, inside of PHP Storm and would love to be able to have in Vim. And also syntax highlighting for different sort of files. So if I'm in PHP versus if I'm in Blade mm-hmm. versus if I'm, in, if I'm in View versus if I have Tailwind now and I'm wanting to use Tailwind and I want to have those things specifically highlighted or I wanted to do um, you know, some of the stuff with Tailwind uh, class sorting now uh, or Prettier or some of that stuff. How do I integrate those things? Is there like a plugin manager, that sort of stuff, right? And I know you guys are like foaming at the mouth. You're like, wait, 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 let me tell you, let me tell you. We're going to make it work. <laughs> so um, thanks, you guys, so much for explaining some of this stuff to me. I feel like I've learned a ton just in the last 55 minutes. And I hope that this is at least helpful to somebody else, maybe, who's struggling to get started or, you know, get over some of the anxiety about learning a new tool and all of the stuff there is to learn out there. So this has really helped to um, even just the fact of knowing like NeoVim, okay, BramVim, like knowing the difference and like when people say <laughs> one particular thing, what that even means has been super, super helpful to me. So thanks, Michael. Thanks, Jesse. I appreciate it, guys. No worries. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I think this was fun. I think, I mean, we've definitely got at least one more of these lined up. Sounds like you've got a few questions and we can talk. So it'll go for a while. Um, I think it'd be interesting if we could get some other people involved as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we tried to, I mean, it was very last minute this particular episode so it was great to have jesse on i think you know we can speak to some other people out there that are that are interesting that have different takes different people in different sort of um places in their vim journey in terms of like i've used it before and i moved away because or um i tried to but i couldn't stick with it because or you know people like us just saying you know why it's great (laughs) works from our perspective but you know the the thing I think you asked the question earlier um, in in the cash money, Jake. Um, why should I use Vim? And I think the thing that I always come back to, I'm not trying to tell you why you should use it or not use it. I'm I'm always of the perspective that like this is what works for me, and I use it because it works for me. Just in the same way that PHP Storm works for sure. you or for others. Yep. And and like I, I get the question all the time. Anytime I post a screenshot, the first question is always like, what is that? Um, 
And then when I say it's Vim, they say, you know, why should I use Vim? I'm like, I don't know. Why should you use Vim? You, <laughs> Good question. You, you, are, you are responsible for telling me why you should use anything. I'm not, I'm not here being prescriptive or saying like you have to use Vim because I use Vim. I'm just sharing what, you know, this, this is just what my workflow is and that's what's worked for me. And, you know, I think the additive configuration is always what has been most useful to me because I open PHP Storm and I just go... There's a lot here and I'm sure it's very powerful and all its tools are great. Um, and, and I did use it for a couple of years. Like, don't get me wrong. It's, it's, a, it's a very useful tool. But for me, Vim does exactly what I need in terms of a daily workflow and nothing more. And I don't need to go and spend time like finding other things or all of the, like I bet you there's like 80% of the features in PHP Storm you have never used. Mm. And that's not to say that no one uses them, but it's saying like there's a whole bunch of stuff there that you just don't need. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So, yeah, it, that that is always my thought. And like I just start responding to people um, <laughs> that they're like, oh, are you stuck in Vim? And, you know, that, that same old like how do I exit Vim gag like – it's it's 17 years on now i don't yeah. i don't play that game anymore <laughs> and it's not just about like trying to yeah like you said trying to convince people to use it cuz it's a better tool it's like for me i see it as this this like config playground and it's not that i like it's not that i'm like conf- spending all my time configuring it's just that when i need to do something it's hackable right and i've had this vim config going for years and i just kind of keep little mm-hmm. adding i might not touch it for 6 months but then i might go nuts for a week and add a bunch of cool little things right. and um it's 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 you, yeah it's not that it's better there's pros and cons but vim is a fun hackable editor and if you don't like hacking on your editor and you'd rather hack on a project then don't use vim so mm-hmm. there yeah. you go yep awesome thank you guys i really appreciate it um last chance for final thoughts before i wrap us oh, okay let's do this tell us tell us if tell us if you if you like this episode which is a departure from what we normally do um We'll probably, I would, as I said, we'll definitely do at least one more. We might get, you know, three or four. I know that there are people out there in the community that are always interested in what we're doing in in the Vim space. So maybe we can get them on and they can pick our brains as well. It'll be, be interesting to have some different voices. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Was this one thirteen, Michael? Is that what it was? One thirteen. Okay, folks. Show notes for this episode can be found at northmeetsouth.audio/slash one thirteen. Thanks again, Jesse, for coming on. Really appreciate it. One last thing, Jesse, before I leave uh, and ask everybody to give us five stars, where can people find you on Twitter if they want to follow you? <laughs> Not sure you want to, but um, Jesse Leet 85 um, so L-E-I-T-E-85. Okay. Anything you're selling? Anything we should buy of yours? One chance to plug Not anything? Se- Not selling anything. Nope. Okay. All right. Not selling anything. All right, uh, then uh, five stars would be much appreciated in your podcatcher of choice. And until next time, I think that is it, folks. We'll see you next episode talking about all the amazing hackery that we're going to hear about and how I can get a sidebar in Vim with my files. Sometimes <laughs> mm. We're going to have the Vim police on standby for that episode, I think. Indeed. Thanks also to our friends, uh, Joe Lennon and workvivo.com for sponsoring us yet again uh, well it's an ongoing thing they just they just keep sponsoring us and we thank them whenever we get a chance to and probably not as often as we should Indeed. Uh, but they're always always linked up in the show notes so definitely check check them out they're at workforgo.com awesome until next time folks we'll see you bye